Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. It's Sunday, August 21st. I'm Leanne Dolan. I'm in Pasadena, California, and I'm joined by my two teammates. I mean, sisters, uh, <laughs> Julie Dolan, who's back in Dallas, Texas. Hey, Julie. Hi, Leanne. And then Liz Dolan, who's in Santa Monica. Liz. I miss you, Liz. I miss you. We, I know. We spent a lot of good time together in Rio. We did. We did. I'm feeling wistful about a lot of things, Leanne. Yesterday, I retired my Olympic manicure. And, oh. Uh, oh. You know, so that's the sign that the games are really over and you have to move on. But I did wake up this morning uh, super early. So I went to the pool and did some laps. And I feel like I have a new fervor even in my own lap swimming so so tokyo 2020 yeah i was channeling my inner katie ledecky this morning julie okay liz i'm proud of you i'm proud of you this is a, we're going to devote almost the entire podcast to our experience in Rio, our, our post-Olympic uh, wrap-up here. Liz and I went to uh, Rio for eight days to the Olympics. We had a fantastic time. We were there with my husband and sons, and you're going to hear all about it, including, but not limited to, my husband's exclusive interview with Brian Lochte. That, <laughs> whoa. You, you mean you scooped Matt Lauer? I can't wait. Liz. That is I not think hard so. to do, Julie. Doing a better job than Matt Lauer is not a high standard. <laughs> but we have a lot of observations about Rio. We're going to give out our own gold medal. We're going to give you some tips for Tokyo 2024. And Liz, you apparently have your own apology to make. So I I'm do. looking forward to I that. <laughs> Unlike Ryan, I did not need to hire a crisis management firm to work this out. But I, I have a particular community I want to apologize to. Well, did you, right. dye, did you dye your hair, Liz? That's what I want to know for this apology. Wouldn't that be funny? Uh, Julie, though, first, you know, while we were in Rio, you were in Brooklyn on a on your Urban Nana stint, and you had your own gold medal experience, I understand. I did, Leon. You know, we Satellite Sisters, we're not idle. I mean, I, I couldn't top you two. I could not top going to Rio, but I got an invitation to go see Babs. I'm talking about Barbara Streisand. This is longtime Satellite Sister, uh, a good friend of mine, Marijan, had an extra ticket to go see Barbara Streisand in Brooklyn. It happened to coincide with uh, my assignment as Urban Nana, that I was going to be arriving in Brooklyn the same day as this concert. That so is fantastic, I Julie. I had no idea. No, I know. I had, I mean, how could that not be fantastic? That could not be, you know, something that you'd want to do. So I said, yes, I'm coming. Plan to take an early flight up in the morning so that I would have plenty of time to get situated um, in Brooklyn and get over to the concert. Well, Southwest decided not to agree with me and they canceled my flight. So I had to scramble. I had to scramble on, on that Saturday trying to get to Brooklyn. I was explaining to everyone, I had to be in Brooklyn. I had to go. I mean, this was, right. this was it. So it was, I had to change airlines. I mean, I, and it was just, it was one of those things where if everything worked right on the later flight, I could arrive 
in time for at least the second half of the concert. I was mad. Oh no. Oh oh, yeah. No, no, no. This was, this was a disaster. It was a disaster that they canceled my flight. The only rebooking was uh, the, the one option they had was for me to fly to Denver and then stand by on a flight to um, uh, LaGuardia. Now, any seasoned flyer would know that is not a good deal. No. There is no way. Backwards. Never fly in the wrong direction is one of my rules. Okay, you just have to turn that offer down, no matter what it was. That was like, no. So I had to, like, I had to buy another ticket to get up there, and I am madly texting my friend Marie-Jean, and she is giving me a blow-by-blow. She's like... You're, 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 you know, because my plane landed just as the concert was about to start. And she said, don't worry, Barbara is late. She's still not out on stage. <laughs> then she was like, Barbara is just talking. She's not singing. So keep coming, you know. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I make this mad dash to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. I arrive. It is now, it's in the, she's going to take an intermission. I, I you know, I've been informed of that. So um, I get there. I, you know, I have my ticket is, is there for me. I go, I rush to go to, you know, my section and the usher stops me and he said, no, you can't go in. Um, the performer has asked that no one be seated while she's singing. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to the Barclays Center, but it seats about a million people. As well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. So you're thinking she's not going to notice you coming in? No. I don't think she's going to notice me slipping in, but I, I mean, I just, you know, I've had kind of a day already, you know, with the whole scramble. Oh. So I, so I'm just standing there, but I can hear the music. So I'm standing there with the usher, you know, listening. I was like, this, this is going to be great because you just cannot believe it's Barbara Streisand. Right. You think you're listening to music, but then you're like, no, 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 this is the real deal. <laughs> and then the usher turns to me and he said, who is this person? <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I said, he said, he said, is she some opera singer or something? I said, I was like, Barbara Streisand? He said, who is that? I said, you've never heard of Barbara Streisand? He said, no. They're very serious in there. I was like, yeah, because it's Barbara Streisand. I said, he said, well, well, tell me about her. I was like, well, where do you begin with Barbara Streisand? And in the background, it's like, people, people. That is what is playing. And this usher had never, ever, I, I was like, I don't even know where to start with my answer to you about Barbara Streisand. And I, I tried to go from the very beginning, you know, just nothing was registering with him. Nothing. Hum a few bars from Funny Girl, any, anything? Hello, Dolly. Yes. The way we were. Anything? Gentle? No. <laughs> Not one bit. You said they're just... That is so sweet. funny. As she won't let people sit down and the usher has no idea who it is. There you have it, people. That's it. That's it. But she was, it was, I I don't think I've ever been to a show like that where, you know, she looked like a million bucks and then she had a zillion dollars worth of lighting so that, you know, and then she had a full orchestra and then she had the most incredible video montage of just how cute and adorable she was, you know, seventies and 
she wore all those mod clothes and she has that you know that distinctive profile i mean she she is she was amazing she really was amazing and it was amazing amazing show and i hope that usher like just picked up a brochure or one of the pamphlets and did a little reading about <laughs> about her <laughs> All right, Julie, sounds like a gold medal experience. It well, was. maybe a bronze medal because you missed the first half. So I know. I know. But you got but in under the wire. That's the thing. It's like yeah. it's like that woman that dove over the finish line, Julie. That's all you got to do. You still get the medal. Even if you dive over the finish line to beat Allison Felix, you get the medal. That was wrong, wasn't it, sisters? <laughs> Uh, she was not in a diving event. I mean, I guess you're, I, I just, that was. You're allowed. I asked my husband, why don't people do that more? He said, because it really hurts when you hit the track. <laughs> He's a former runner. So, all right. <laughs> okay. So uh, now we're going to Rio. Liz mm-hmm. and I went with my husband, my two sons who were 18, 21. And Liz, I put together a little list of, um, you know, post-game interview, the keys to our success. And I, oh, yeah. So I every, want... every sports broadcast needs to have keys to success. Yeah. Okay. First of all, over our eight days, uh, it takes a, like 20 hours to get there and 20 hours to come back. We were there seven days, six nights. We saw four nights of track and field, a night of swimming. We saw beach volleyball, boxing, the velodrome, and the marathon. Those were the actual events that we went to. And, and here were the keys. Uh, first of all, we kept our focus, Julie. We kept our focus. You know, we could have been distracted by, like, sightseeing or history or Christ the Redeemer. But we just stuck with sports. And that, yes. and that's... Well, you can't do everything. You can't. When you visit a country, you cannot do everything. I think that's that was that's wise. That's wise. It's legitimate a, a strategy for going to a country is anything sports. So that's what we did. We kept our focus. All right. We dealt with adversity. Julie, we had to deal with some adversity. And by that, I mean there was very little food at the venues. <laughs> and what did we do, Liz? We changed up our whole game plan. We, right? we did. The whole new game plan, Julie. We went to like plan B by like night three. We knew that what we thought was going to work was clearly not going to work. How come the, how could they not, they just, the food did not arrive or they just didn't plan for food at the venues? Cause it seems like those were long events and people might get hungry and maybe they could sell, you know, uh, a snack or two. All, all those are true. We're going to get <laughs> all those things you just said are true. Okay. And finally, we ran our race, I would say, Liz, because no matter how many times somebody said, oh, are you going to gymnastics? We're like, no, we don't like gymnastics. We're not going. (laughs) We just went. Oh, we went to soccer, too. We just went to the sports we really like to go to. And that was it. We we added in a few at the last minute, the boxing, the velodrome. We made the commitment to go see the women's marathon, which was fantastic. But no, we didn't have we, – we had to keep our focus on the things we love. So those were, I think, our three keys to the overall success. And I think the fourth was just a good attitude. Wouldn't you say, Liz, positivity? Yes, no you, you have to have a positive attitude in that environment because, you know, Julie, traveling in other parts of the world where there are language difficulties and transportation challenges and maybe everything doesn't quite work the way it does at home, you, I, you can either have a good attitude or a bad attitude. But if you have a good attitude, you kind of roll with it. And no matter what came our way, we managed to roll with it. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, the positive thinking was incredibly important. 
Yes. So there you go. That was it. Focus, adversity, ran our race, positivity. So, <laughs> Leanne, I can see you're going to go out on a speaking tour. You just need to get yourself a little medal. I mean, because that's that is a speech that an Olympian would give. You yeah, know? they all they do. That's all exactly the what they but, say. Oh, by the we way, if you wanted a medal, Julie, we could have bought you medals. There were medals for sale in a lot of places. Really? Oh, that would be kind of fun to have one of those. <laughs> I kind of regretted that I didn't. Yeah, those yeah. were funny, like on the beach. I mean, for that could be for your Halloween costume for the next yeah. 20 years. Okay. Oops. Okay. I don't want you to have any regrets because it sounded like you had. <laughs> no, we left very- it all out there, Julie. We left it all okay. out there on the track. Okay. We did. Um, but in general, you know, you've watched the TV. Rio is a stunningly beautiful city. I mean, you just can't believe the natural beauty. It's six and a half million people. And I don't want to sound like Bob Costas, but the fact that there are beautiful beaches and the mountains and the lush foliage, like every vista, even if you couldn't drink the water, it was fantastic to look at the water, you know, all of those bays and the crashing waves and all the venues inside looked absolutely beautiful. It was stunning and it just takes your breath away. And at the same time, there is just heartbreaking poverty. Like yeah, there, there's yeah. no way around it. The trip yeah. in from the airport, driving around from venue to venue, like you, it's hard to square those two things, but they're both part of the landscape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was one time, Julie, where Leon and I were in a long taxi ride. I will not go into the adversity we were facing, <laughs> get, get, getting around part of the marathon course that shut down half of the city, but whatever. But we're driving through this other part of town in a taxi, and you're just going down the street, and all of a sudden, there's the sheer rock cliff right in front of you. You know, those wow. mountains that you see on TV, just like your husband, the geologist, would love this place. These, okay. these, these rocks just spring up out of nowhere. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of city he likes with a lot of rocks, Liz and Liam. <laughs> All right. But here's the best thing. Like, I think everybody in Rio, the participants, the judges, everybody was cheering for two countries, their own and Brazil. You know, at every event we went to, you know, everyone's cheering for their own athlete. And then the Brazilian athletes got a huge roar from the crowds of Brazilians and then others. That was fantastic. No one wanted to see Brazil go down. I felt like everyone wanted Brazil to do well. Wouldn't you say, Liz? Yes, for sure. And, you know, the they did really well in some events. But even if they were, they had athletes that were trailing and things, people clapped as they finished the finish line or whatever. It was very exciting. I mean, of course, lots of the people in the stands were Brazilians. So you have that going for you. But I went out and bought a Brazilian flag. I realized, yeah. again, this was part of altering our game plan. I realized by about day three, I was going to need a Brazilian flag, Julie. There, that, there were going to be moments where only the Brazilian flag is going to do. So I have that now, which is good. For oh, future Liz, that's great. I yeah. mean, well, you'd never want to miss any fun, Liz. That's, you know, you, if you see fun, you're going for it, Liz. We can count on you for gold medal performance in that area. I mean, I think I, even as at home, you, I feel that way. I mean, that soccer match last night between Brazil and Germany. I mean, that I, I was in tears. I was in tears at the end of that, you know, I mean, I mean, they've had, I mean, I think Brazil faces so much adversity yes, and it's yes. so great that they put on this, you know, 
what seems to be, have been, I mean, keep, we only have what, this is the last day. Yeah. So they have, they have done it. Right. So, um, so yes, I'm, I hope to see your flag, your Brazilian flag next time I visit you, Liz in Los, An- <laughs> Los Angeles. Yeah. You know what? And the Brazilian athletes made the most of it. Like we were watching a heat of the 800 meters, uh, the men's 800 meter. And there was one Brazilian athlete. He clearly sussed out that he had no chance of making it. to the. <laughs> so you know what he did? He went out as fast as he could in that first 400 and the crowd was standing and cheering for him. And then like at 410 meters, he totally dropped out and he finished <laughs> by a mile, but it didn't matter because he had one glorious lap around the track where everyone was cheering for him. And you sort of saw that over and over again. It was fantastic. But speaking of flags, if you want to wear a flag, the Olympics is the place to do it. And you sort of forget that. Like, you kind of see it on TV, but when you're actually in the crowd and like people, many, many people are wearing flags as capes or they actually (laughs) sell flags that have armholes or or hats now, they like a head drape so you can wait, completely wear the flag. You're like, oh, that's a fantastic idea, a flag with armholes. That's a great idea. <laughs> Why didn't we bring one from home? Yeah. It was, uh, you know, in flags of many nations, of course. So some people have to do their own sewing on site to make it work. But if it's the Brazilian flag, you can probably buy all of those items. But people brought all their own stuff from home. I mean, there weren't a lot of other country flags for sale. We brought our American flag, and I'm glad we had it. And my son immediately saw the value, Brooks, and he he appropriated it and, you know, started wearing it around as kind of a jaunty scarf, uh, actually. It's <laughs> part of his outfit. And I'm sure he was complaining, why why are you bringing a flag, Mom? Or, you know, I'm yeah. sure he – yeah, okay, good. And good. then, yeah, and people uh, – we saw one um, very old Brazilian woman with a very old dress on that she had stitched together from many, many flags. And she did a lot of sombing right in front of us, didn't she, Liz? She did. She was dancing. How is, how is your samba, samba moves? How, how did that go, sisters? That's an impossible dance. Well, <laughs> impossible. Julie, every, every night, well, every event that we went to before the event started, they ran a video about how to samba. They were really trying hard to get everyone at every venue to, like, stand up and learn how to dance. Um, I'm not sure it was successful in our case, but no. it, it wasn't for lack of trying on the Brazilians' part. Yeah. At every event, they had these hype people beforehand that were like there to, you know, hype up the crowd, swimming, volleyball, track and field, every event we went to. And they kept running that Samba video and no one was doing it because it's pretty hard. (laughs) Then they had live Samba bands. I mean, that was fun. One of the curious things was that at the track, when we first went there, the first couple of nights, they were playing Samba in between the events. And by the fifth night, they had switched to bad American pop music. And I was I was disappointed because <laughs> the samba was kind of a nice treat. But um, it, it was still fun. People were in the spirit, I think, of Brazil. They were happy to hear that samba music. When they introduced the athletes, they would bring out a samba band and they would kind of run through a little phalanx of, of samba, the samba band. It was great. So, you know, people were into it. And uh, and that was great. Now, I do want to mention the crowds. There was, we mentioned the food a little bit beforehand. 
there was this curious factor. And again, because the, the Olympics are a huge logistical challenge. I mean, the fact that they pulled off 95% of it, great. You just can't say anything. Like when you see how hard it is to shut an entire city down for a marathon or a triathlon or a 20K walk, you know, or to get all those people to all those venues, some of it worked great. Once you got into the venue, those events ran like clockwork. If they said a race was going to go off at 21 hours and 47 minutes, it went off at 2147. So I don't know if that was the network, if that was NBC or the federations or the Brazilians, but inside the venues, things worked well. But outside, <laughs> it just you just got the sense that if they had six more months, they really would have pulled this thing off. <laughs> that is very true. It was like a new house that hadn't yet been kind of landscaped and finished up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, like, well, the first night we went to swimming, it was an extraordinarily long day. We got in at six in the morning. The swimming didn't start till 10 p.m. that night, but we managed to fill the hours and stay awake. And, and we got there and we'd seen Olympic Park with like 12 different venues on TV. And we get there and there's, there's not a single sign. It's just, <laughs> I know. No international swimmer sign of somebody in water, nothing like that? No. Like, and the signs they did have up, they definitely were temporary signs because they were literally, like, taped to sides of buildings, like, (laughs) and in the smallest typeface possible. Like, really, we had to, like, walk over and get right next to the sign. And it was definitely, like... Whoever was in charge of signs forgot to order the sign. There were thousands of people there and huge venues. And we kept going, is that the tennis stadium? Or which is the basketball stadium? Or the gymnastics? And because, again, usually there are the huge banners with the little happy Olympic person swimming or playing tennis or doing volleyball. It just... The light stanchions, there were slits for banners, but there were no banners. (laughs) Okay, okay. And oops, like the ticket booths, the few that there were did not actually have the word tickets on them. Like <laughs> anywhere, like they were just white tents. In a, it was, it was that was the the spectator experience. I think was the last thing on their checklist. Like let's make sure the athletes are fine. Let's make sure the TV networks are taken care of. Make sure this and this and this. But the actual spectators, oh well. Next year, when we do the Olympics, we're really going to nail it. So it was funny. And I think that's what happened to the food, too. Um, You'd go to these giant Coke, you know, tents, and you wanted a Coke because it was 10 p.m. at night and you had to stay awake. And there were three people who would be sitting there, and they'd just go, oh, foreshadow, no Coke, no Coke. They had no Coke or anything. It It was just very curious. I wouldn't you agree with? Yeah, they were totally charming about it, though, Julie. So that's why, I mean, once we figured out that this was not just an anomaly, like night one, we were at swimming, and then night two, we were at the track. So when we observed the same thing happening at very different venues in different parts of town, by night three, we knew that we had to eat before we went, go fully hydrated. <laughs> we just we just adjusted our plan. You couldn't really count on anything, and they were they were trying hard. But it was, I think Liam's right. They're they're going to be ready when the Olympics show up again next year. 
<laughs> I'm totally ready. <laughs> like even in the velodrome, we went to the velodrome one day and we had tickets that had like block, row, letter. But when you went into the velodrome, like they hadn't actually put the block, row or number. Like it was just a oh, seating well. free for all. <laughs> and and well, the, that's nice. That's, that's it's really too. And the people like the the ushers, they they were great at like leading the cheers, but they didn't know where any of the seats were. They were so sweet, though. Bomjia. Hello. It's like a whole thing. They just kept yelling at us. Bomjia. Bomjia. But we're like, where is the pool? The piscina? You know, if, if we hadn't seen it on NBC, we wouldn't have known. We were like, look at that big blue thing in the back of this thing. So but that was, I think. Just uh, the only sort of, okay, maybe they didn't really think through like the whole spectator experience. And so I think that's one of the reasons people kept saying, oh, the venues, they're not that crowded. It was very difficult to figure out how to get tickets to the events (laughs) if you at the events. Yeah. And the tickets are expensive. First of all, they're not cheap. And but secondly, like you couldn't actually just go and buy the tickets at the events. So that's the challenge. If yeah. <laughs> and if you even, it. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't show up without a ticket, right? No, no, no right. It, no, because, and you couldn't get through security. Sometimes the ticket booths were more will calls beyond security. But then it became a very complicated process to show the people your ID. And, and there was no downloadable tickets to your phone. You had to have printed tickets. Uh-huh. So if you were staying at Airbnb without a printer, you couldn't print the tickets like the fact that our oh. hotel had a printer we could actually access was a miracle frankly <laughs> <laughs> so when we bought a few like the boxing tickets and it doesn't we bought a few online but you actually had to physically print the tickets you couldn't download them and show them they couldn't scan them from your phone which makes it hard if you're not staying at a place with the printer so that was the only sort of thing you really had to you know, the adversity we had to face, Julie, that we just, we worked through. We worked. Okay, we totally that's good. I think I, you were, you two are up for the challenge. So it yeah. sounds like you're, you're very flexible. And again, the positive attitude that really helps. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, much yeah. like the athletes, we had to do some carbo loading at about five or 6 PM <laughs> to get us through the events that would run. Like we'd be at the track from 8 PM to midnight. So yeah. you got to go fully fed and hydrated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the the only easiest food to get was ice cream because you didn't. It they seemed to have it, and you could pay for it in a simple transactional process. It wasn't a two or three step process. Well, that's not bad. That's ice cream's good. Like yeah, good. Ice cream's situation. good situation. Yeah. <laughs> but we did. We picked up a couple extra things. Like Colin wanted to see uh, any sport where they fought, like a fighting sport, like judo or taekwondo. So we bought tickets to the boxing. And there's a case where the boxing tickets were twenty bucks, and the venue was packed with Brazilians. And you know what they do in boxing, Julie? They beat the crap out of each other. I mean, could <laughs> not. It was. Fantastic. I mean, I never have to go again because it's disturbing. And I'll be honest, I don't really want to see women box because I think that would be upsetting. But the men going for it and the Brazilians cheering their heads off and that. 
crowd was on a Saturday and it was filled with a lot of young people and families having a fantastic time at sort of one of the cheaper, lesser venues, like they were really enjoying it. So I know it seemed maybe on TV, like the Brazilians weren't supporting the events, but they were, but the events were expensive. So the ones that they could get to that were cheaper, they were there and they were really cheering for everybody except anyone from Argentina. They really, really <laughs> do not like Argentina. And I, no. Julie, I skipped the boxing on that day. I went to the beach, uh, <laughs> which, which was also delightful. I just needed a rest day in the middle. It was, you know, it's, it's grueling this event, a seven day, six night event. You have to really save your strength for the important push. So that's yeah. why I did that day. You needed some recovery time, Liz. I think Liz, that's, that's good. I can see yeah. that, Liz. I could see you had really had the right attitude. Okay. And now did you go through the water at the beach. Did you you went to like? Ipanema? Oh yeah, I went swimming. Yes, the you know the regular beaches. The the really polluted water is inside the harbor, as it is in most places. So people swim at the beach. So. I went swimming, though most of the days we were there, the surf was very high. And so a number of days when we were walking along Ipanema Beach or Copacabana Beach, the the beaches were, there were people at the beach, but there was no swimming allowed uh, because of the the high water. But no, I went for a swim. No problem. Good. All right, Liz. Good report. And just to, you know, and we, I think we saw one mosquito. Liz, you saw one mosquito, (laughs) right? (laughs) One. You literally could count it on one hand, mosquitoes. Now, but were you spraying or were you, were yes, you yeah, wearing your socks, Lynn? What did, yes. what, what, what did you, you wore your socks? Yes, okay. I did. I, I adhered to my protocol to like day four and then it got kind of hot with socks on. So I did wear some sandals, but I sprayed my feet and my neck and, and my family did. Liz was totally au natural. I, she except was, for there was one night when we opted to like eat outside in this plaza that was kind of in in a beautiful garden julie it was uh it was really nice we had a little downtime between being at maracana for the women's soccer and then going to track and you don't we don't really have time to go back to our hotel regroup and come back so we ate outside in this lovely place and that's when i did leon had suggested buying the wipes on our pre-olympic show so i had the wipes in my bag so that's i wiped myself down at that point yeah but it was you know it it really was just not an issue. It was winter there, and if you read deep into those articles, it said you, it's not really going to be an issue, so you need to just all calm down, and it wasn't an issue. Like, literally, you just didn't see any mosquitoes. A couple nights, it was actually chilly. It was in the low 60s the first couple nights we were there, and windy. So, um, you know, plus it's midnight, and you're kind of, and so you need something. But obviously, the stars, the two big stars we saw, we saw the same bolt, win the men's 100 meter, um, and then we saw Michael Phelps win the 200 IM, get his gold medal, and then go back in the pool to qualify for the the butterfly. Two incredible performances. It's really astonishing to see athletes like that at the height of their power. I mean, people love Usain Bolt so much. Like so 60,000 so people chanting his name. We had been at the track two nights before the men's hundred and there were a lot of knowledgeable track fans there. Track is hard to watch. There's a lot going on. You really need to pay attention and understand like how the whole system works. But the Sunday night when Usain ran, it was mainly just people there to see Usain Bolt. Like those people did not know what else was happening. They were paying no attention to the men's (laughs) high jump. And so, uh, so, I mean, he, and he delivered, he ran that hundred, he ran right or you know he kept running kept running and stopped right in front of our section we were sort of directly across from 
the finish line on the other side of the track. And that's when he finally got the flag and stopped. And I mean, that was just fantastic. Wasn't it Liz goosebumps all the way around? Yeah. You know, I mean, they talk about certain performers being electrifying and you think, Oh, come on in a giant stadium. Can one person really walk into a stadium and light the whole place up? And totally, yes, they can. And we yeah. saw it on that Sunday night with Hussein Bolt. It was it was amazing, Julie. People were just so thrilled to be there with him. And even the other athletes, you you can tell. Yes. The, the I remember after he won that race, some of the other athletes jumped out of the stands and took a selfie with him. You know, so it's just, <laughs> he was, you know, and he's a showman, but he can... When he says he's going to do it, he can really do it. So that was that was very thrilling. That was a very, very exciting night at the track. Uh, and there was another world record that night, which was just as thrilling. Right, Liam? It was. The 400 meter, the men's oh 400 meter. Yeah. The, and the we guy had, won it on the outside, right? He yeah. was in the, like, the worst possible lane to yeah. win win the win the race yeah and he had been running great all week after we because we had been there three nights we saw him run in the heats we saw him run in the semis he was a beautiful runner to watch you know it was clear my husband's a big track fan he said they're going to go under 44 tonight they're, they're ready you know they've been saving it but 4303 is the new world record and that was a moment where people oh he won and then they flashed the time up and the people in the stadium that knew understood track, not just the same Bolt fans. That's when people st stood up and just roared. Like yeah. there was this, yeah. there was this moment of silence. The number went up. And as soon as like people recognized what had just happened, they roared. And then that was a great moment. That was really thrilling. And he was so overcome. I don't know if they showed that on mm -hmm. TV. Yeah. He just, he, he went to his family and he was just really, really overcome by that performance. And the other, you know, first, second and third all ran under 44 seconds. I mean, that was a great, a great race, a great race. Uh, and that was really a thrilling moment. <clears throat> but there, have been, there have been some great moments in this Olympics, you know, for all the bad press ahead of it. I mean, there have been just so many exciting like you know thrilling moments for even simple spectators like myself watching it on tv so just to hear your account of what it was like to actually be in the stadium when you know when Usain Bolt ran um, that's great yeah and then Michael Phelps the same thing I mean people he destroyed the field in the 200 IM yeah. you know Lochte was in that race it was supposed to be the big showdown. There was just no showdown. He, you know, he just, he destroyed the field. He was so humble, accepting his medal. People were thrilled. He, we didn't really understand what was happening. Again, that was another <laughs> part of the spectator experience was that there was at no point was there like a program or like a screen with a list of what might be coming up. I know that sounds crazy, but sometimes when you're there, you have no idea what's happening. And we were supposed to have, we had apps, but it was very spotty Wi-Fi. We couldn't really get, we had, Liz and I had both bought these special plans from AT&T that were completely bogus. And so the first thing, Thank you, AT&T. Okay. Yeah, we good. just were like, where is Michael Phelps going? Why did he cut short the victory lap? And it was because he literally was in the pool two minutes later. But that was great. And then we were there um, when uh, Simone, the first African-American woman, won her medal. And we happened to be sitting with the, the U.S. swim team parents. Our tickets just – we didn't know that. They were just scattered in amongst there. And they went 
crazy when she won. There was tremendous support for her. And we saw three gold medals that night by Americans. It was fantastic. Yeah, that was a particularly beautiful moment because you could tell the whole U.S. swim parent community was so thrilled for her that that was, you know, kind of a surprise win, a historic win as the first African-American woman. I mean, it was just our whole section was, you know, they were just like besides themselves with love and affection and enthusiasm. It was really, really exciting to be there for that. Yeah, we happened to be sitting in front of Maya Dorado's father. She was the swimmer that won a bunch of golds. That, and we yes. ended up on TV. But Maya and Simone Manuel, our teammates at Stanford, so he just, we didn't know at the time who he was. And he just kept saying, I can't believe it. Oh, my gosh, she did it. Oh, my gosh, she did it. I mean, he was thrilled. He must have oh. said that for 10 minutes after. She did it. She did it. So it was really great. Uh, and that it, it, it is when you miss Rowdy Gaines the most, though, because you don't <laughs> You would have loved to have heard his commentary going. You're sitting there and you was, you're thinking to yourself, I don't, can't remember another African-American woman winning a gold medal. Like I know there was Colin Jones, like you just aren't a lot of African-American swimmers, but we, we didn't quite understand. We didn't, we couldn't confirm the significance of the moment, Um, but you could see uh, people were thrilled for, and the swimming venue is, it's, and it was packed, but it's, it's really intimate, you know, it's small. So you really do feel like you're at a high school swim meet. It's fantastic. So, uh, what else, Liz? What else were some good moments? Mara Kana, when we went, I mean, first of all, thanks, U.S. women, for losing to Sweden. I mean, that was... Darn you, U.S. I women. Know. Julie, we Come had on. purposely bought tickets to a specific semifinal women's soccer game at Mara Kana because that's where the U.S., if they had worked their way through the draw the way they were projected to, it would have been a U.S. semifinal. But when they lost, the good news for us is that Brazil was the other team in the semifinal. So it was really, really exciting to be in, you know, the temple of football, Maracanã, with an almost entirely Brazilian crowd, wouldn't you say, Leanne? Like, there yeah, was- I mean, there were some a few Americans in front of us. I mean, clearly there were Americans holding tickets who I probably had <laughs> sold. Uh, there was, yeah, one other group, but no, it, it was a, it was you know, sixty thousand Brazilians, and um, that stadium in itself is beautiful. That was, I think far and away the most beautiful stadium we were in. And uh, they had renovated it for the World Cup two years ago when they added this beautiful shade awning and flags. And it was really a spectacularly beautiful stadium. And the grass was beautiful. And we were sitting five rows behind the Brazil bench. We just happened oh. to have really, really good seats. <laughs> so it would have been think you had that flag, Liz. So yes. you that. Yeah. Yeah. The I mean one thing I want to comment on because it's so surprising when you go to a giant sporting event like this, particularly multiple venues across a huge city, um, what you don't expect is a feeling of intimacy. But what this event really had was this feeling of intimacy when you were in the the swimming, uh, the aquatic center, or you were in the Estadio Olimpico, the you know the track and field stadium, it's, you don't realize until you go to the Olympics um, yourself that like the teams are in the stands with you. Like if they're not competing, people are sitting and watching their teammates, or their coaches are there, or their families are there. And so I think especially because they didn't sell a lot of additional tickets. It's the hardcore is there so that, for instance, the first night we were going to the track, we were in the security line, which went super fast, which 
we figured was either excellent planning on the part of the Brazilians or <laughs> meant that there was no security happening at all. But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we got in. There were lots of people going in, but we got in super fast. But while we're in line that first night, Leanne's husband starts chatting with the guy behind him in line, and it's Jenny Simpson's husband. Uh, Jenny Simpson, who, you know, went on to get a bronze medal in the 1500 meter race and is the first woman, American woman ever to medal in that. So we, so we met her husband in line and then we were very close to her. Then we saw her in the heats. And so you start to, because we went to the track four nights in a row, you start to really feel like you're getting to know these people. And then as it happened on the night of her final, her coach and her rooting section was seated directly behind us um, in the Olympic Stadium, Julie. So when she did her victory lap, she made a point of coming all the way around. She really took her time on her victory lap, which was very, very cute to see. But she stood right in front of us for a while. Oh, that's to, so neat. Just to wow. talk to her people. But it's so, I mean, so there was an intimacy there when we were in the um, – the Aquatic Center, as we said, not only are we directly in front of Maya Dorado's husband and in with all the swim parents, but, you know, the swimmer walked up the stairs at the end of our row and was seated about four rows ahead of us, uh, behind us. And I was like, Leanne, don't we know her? And then Leanne figured that was Lily King, who had uh, the gold medal in 100-meter breaststroke, the one, you know, who spoke out against the Russian swimmer uh, right. who, had been, who had been doping. And it's like, so they're sitting there with you, cheering for their teammates, which was just, it's so surprising that you feel so much a part of the sporting event. I would say much more than any other sporting event you would go to because. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to see that at a pro basketball game. No. You're not, you know, it's just the, the professional sports we have here. It doesn't yeah. happen. Maybe at a tennis match, you see there's the, you know, the box, but you're not actually interacting with those people very often. And it was over and over and over again. I think, Liz, you're right. I think the bad press before the games really scared away a lot of just sports tourists like we were. You know, my husband was saying today, I don't think there were that many Americans there like us. You know, the Americans we saw were friends and family. Our whole plane, Mm -hmm. as we went down from L.A. to Miami to Rio, you know, you talk to people here or there. It was, oh, my boyfriend's on the U.S. volleyball team. Oh, one of my boyfriends is uh, on the men's track cycling team. There were two two guys who would shake their heads. I go, hey, they kind of look like that volleyball player. I'm sure they were Phil Dahlhauser's really good friends that had shaved their heads, you know, in support of Phil. One night at the track, there was this this family behind us. They looked like fish out of water, and they were. They were from a small town in Missouri, and it turns out their daughter was the last person to qualify for the U.S. track team. She was a hammer thrower, and they didn't know what they were doing in Rio. Like, <laughs> oh, and they were the first to admit it, Julie. They were like, we just we had to make these plans like in an instant. We have no idea what we're doing. Yeah, I and mean, they were even sitting I, – well, I did want to point out, I was like, you know you're sitting at the wrong end of the track. Like the hammer throws down there. And the mom finally just – she asked to borrow my flag. So she was trying oh, to literally that's... flag down her daughter. Oh. And so we kept cheering. We kept chanting, Deanna. We were trying to get her attention, which, of course, is ridiculous. It's an Olympic track meet. We're sitting at one end and she's at the other. But – you know that they they it was great to see that their daughter qualified eighth. There's a first American woman to ever make the finals of the hammer throw. So good for was, her, good for her family. Oh, and, yeah. and then another night, Julie. Do you remember after, after the um, 
the the Olympic the track and field trials in Eugene. We were when we were talking about it on Satellite Sisters. We were talking about the youngest member of the U.S. team to qualify is a girl from uh, New Jersey named Sydney yes. McLaughlin. And she got a lot of press. She got a lot of TV coverage yes. on NBC. Yes. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. So she's in the 400-meter hurdles, and she did mm-hmm. not make the final. But we saw her semifinal race, and we were cheering as loud as we could for her. And it was just amazing to see a 17-year-old girl out on the track. And that event looks so hard, 400-meter hurdles. But then that night when we walk out, like, who's standing there with her friends, with her backpack on, like, any other soon-to-be high school senior, but Sydney's standing right there. Like, we could have yeah. mm-hmm. gone over and, like, taken a picture with her. And it's just like, you don't even know what to say. Like, and now she's just transformed back into the high school soon-to-be senior that she is. But it's – so you do feel this closeness to the athletes, even though you're not seeing all the up-close and personals that you mm-hmm. were probably seeing. Right. About. But you were really up-close and personal. So that, I think, uh, is sort of trumps what we were watching on TV. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it, it just in general, it was it's a fantastic experience to go to, to the games because it is very different. It's just very different. It's unifying as a country. Everyone was very well behaved mm-hmm. in general. And that's why I think that we're going to just talk about it briefly because uh, it's the law, but we don't want to overshadow <laughs> the fantastic athletic performances. But that's why the Ryan Lochte thing was really an anomaly because, you you know, I've been to a million big time sporting events and there are a lot of drunk people at sporting events, <laughs> college football games, NFL games, people behaving badly, yelling terrible things, this and that. That was not the case. Like occasionally you'd see some Australian had too many beers. I, uh, but. <laughs> not to traffic in cultural stereotypes or anything, but it did. Yeah. And, and, and the stadiums all seemed to have plenty of beer, which was. <laughs> which it, was, was good. it was a two or three step process to get the beer. They had to go, but they had it. It was it was hadable, but it was not easy. They you had to earn it. <laughs> like much like a medal, you had to earn your. So sort of, you had to do some qualifying heats to get yes. to be. Yeah. 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 Exactly right, but uh, but that was it. That was why, like, we just really didn't see a lot of bad behavior. I mean, we were those we were coming out of events at midnight, one a.m. You know, people were just happy to be there and and enjoying the moment and sort of enjoying the, like the unity and the the global good feeling of it all. So I think that's why the Lochte thing was particularly. Just awful, yeah. you know, ugly behavior because that wasn't really the vibe. I didn't, we didn't get that. We just went out one night. We only had one free night. So we went out like one free night. We went into Ipanema. We had, you know, great sushi dinner. And then we uh, went to a bar next door to watch um, more track and field. And we <laughs> almost got into it with an Australian who tried to mansplain the 100 meters with me. Two minutes. <laughs> Yes. Did you take him down? Did you have to puncture his uh, I, plastic you know, a kangaroo or something like that? I almost did. Yeah. He really thought he, yeah, he tried to one-up us. I, you know, I made an innocent comment about, hey, Justin Gatlin, you know, he almost won that race. He only lost by five one-hundredths mm-hmm. of a second. Okay? It was same Bolt only overtook him in the last five meters. And the Australian's like, oh, I was there. It wasn't even close. I was like... <laughs> Dude, okay. there too, and it was close. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lynn. Okay, yeah. Oh, man, a bar, bar brawl. That would have been nice. That would have been nice. <laughs> but but I, there yeah, wasn't but any I of that. Feel, 
I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't even. And then I just, there was no contact. But people were well behaved. That's why the Ryan Lochte thing was bad. But here's, here's the exclusive interview we had with Ryan Lochte. Cause the first day, a couple of days, we went to that USA house that they were putting up on social media a lot. It was the hospitality house for the U.S. Olympic Committee. And we actually bought a couple of tickets through the U.S. Olympic Committee um, because it was an easier way to get tickets than just because there was very few box offices, as I mentioned. So we went to pick up some tickets the first day, and we were not actually allowed in because we were not athletes. Credentialed. We're not Olympic family, Julie. As much as we feel like we are, we are technically do not qualify as Olympic family. It hurt. It hurt a little bit, but um, we were standing in the lobby when Lochte, Ryan Lochte came through the door. He was going to do an interview there, and um, my husband was holding open the door for him, and he looked right at Eric, and he said, thanks, dude. <laughs> and I, if he had just stopped talking then, it would have been good. <laughs> that was like two days before the incident. If he had just stopped with thanks, dude, and that would have been good. Uh, well, you know, if you go back insightful. and you and you listen to our post London uh, Olympic recap, which I just reposted a couple of weeks ago, you listen to that. Monica was so firm on this. We were consistently giving Lion, Ryan Lochte a piece of uh, advice, which is just stay in the pool, Ryan. Just stay. <laughs> hashtag stay in the pool. And we started saying that four years ago. And if he had, if he had just followed the advice of his satellite sisters, and by the way, not lied to his mom, uh, he wouldn't be in this mess. But, yeah. yeah. But let me say this. Much like Ryan Lochte, I have an apology I would like to make. And um, I feel like this is the right place for it. Um, Matt might not understand uh, what, you know, how deeply I feel uh, regret about this. But in our show, right after the, the track and field trials and before the Olympics actually started, I was mocking the field events, Julie. I, I went out of my way to mock the field part of track and field. Liz. And I got to say, just by the nature of where our seats were in the Estadio Olimpico, which was right in front of the long jump pit and right next to where the pole vault was, I am transformed on the power of the field events. And so I, you know, I have apologies I would like to make to uh, Michelle Carter, shot put, gold medal in the okay. shot put. She was girl, awesome, wasn't she, Leah? That was so exciting. That was so exciting. That was the first night of track and field we went to. That was the only medal round. And so we're everything else was heats and preliminaries and stuff. And so we're we're there, we're like riding to the event, and my son, my son Colin goes, Women shop put, yeah. Like, <laughs> okay, let's get psyched team. Cause the only medal we're gonna see is women's shop foot. And then she pulled it out, she dug deep on her final throw. She let it go, and she won the gold medal. It was fantastic. And it was like midnight by then. Yes. It was really late, and there was not a huge crowd there that night, but that was a great moment. Yeah. yeah and great. then the women's long jump, Julie. The, oh, wow. The, the yeah. U.S. won gold and silver in the women's long jump. Tiana Bartoletto and Brittany Reese. And so we saw the preliminaries. and So we saw that all the way through. And I got to say, Leanne and I were having a little trouble with the metric system, figuring out <laughs> how far they were actually jumping. But, like, when you're there and you see 
how hard what they're doing is. It doesn't translate well to TV, which is a whole separate issue, but like just for the sheer athleticism of the long jump. Okay. I'm sold on that. And then the triple jump, which I had, I had always derided that as the hop, skip and jump. I didn't know why hop, skip and jump is an Olympic uh, event. Leah noted this in her random thoughts at SatelliteSisters.com yesterday. There, we saw the women's triple jump, and there was a triple jumper there from Colombia. Her name was Katerina, and the last name I cannot pronounce. But when they announced her, Julie, like, who believes that, like, triple jumpers have huge fan bases? Oh, my God. When they an- announced this female Colombian triple jumper, the whole stadium went crazy, didn't it, Leah? It did. I mean, so many people with <laughs> Colombian flags, they had gotten seats right in front of the triple jump. And that was the night Usain Bolt was running. But she brought her own people. She was having her own moment down there. She didn't care if the men's 100 meter was starting. She was, she just had it all going on. It's fantastic. Yes. Yes. So these are hardcore fans of super niche sports. But you know what? The athletic performances are totally worth it. So, and then the pole vault, the, uh, the Brazilian man won the gold in the pole vault. So people just went crazy for that so and he was adorable totally adorable his first name is tiago uh yeah i think his last name to silva but anyway he was he was adorable and they just went crazy for that so this is it my official apology to field (laughs) events i will yeah i will no longer make a mockery of the field events because i was um I was schooled. Yeah. I, I'm, Liz, I, I'm proud of you, Liz. I'm proud okay. of you. That's good, Liz. I can see oh, you. I have, a couple of, I have a couple of gold medals to award here uh, to the, our whole experience and to Rio and to other things. Okay. First of all, gold medal to the Rio airport. I mean, that airport is beautiful. I'm sure it's completely redone. We, the longest line we waited in was the sandwich line. Once we got through, <laughs> once we got through security. I mean, when we arrived, they had a hundred agents. They boom, boom, boom. We're just, we're through immigration. We're uh, on the way back in. It was like incredibly fast. It was efficient. It was a beautiful airport. So much duty-free shopping. Oh my gosh. I mean, you could have just been there for hours and hours and hours buying flip-flops and, um, and, and alcohol and so, and, and perfume, but it was a fantastic airport gold medal. One note on the airport I want to make, Julie, I registered with the U.S. consulate to get text messages if there's, like, any emergency things that they need you to know. You know how that works sometimes. Or Liz, okay. I like it. In a foreign country. So uh, yesterday, Saturday, I got a text from the U.S. consulate saying, if you are leaving Rio from Galeo, so that's the international airport, you're leaving Rio airport Monday, please arrive six hours before an international (laughs) flight. Which, of course, yeah. is no problem for a Dolan, because we did arrive yeah. four hours before our flight anyway. <laughs> but they're asking people to arrive six hours. So they better start making the sandwiches now, uh, yeah. because that's a lot of people standing around in the airport. for. They're going to be breaking into the uh, chocolate and the alcohol in the uh, duty-free stores. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, there was some good chocolate there, too. I, I bought some chocolate that I kept secretly and ate myself. Uh, all right. Gold medal, uh, you know, we mentioned it several times, gold medal to beer and sandwiches. Um, I know, like I mentioned it before, that that's sort of a Brazilian specialty. And, and someone whose family is Brazilian said, Leon, please eat more than beer and sandwiches. But we had some good beer and sandwiches, didn't we, Liz? We did. We did. <laughs> we did. In, in many places. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, they have great draft beer. It was the first word we learned in uh, in Portuguese, <laughs> and pretty much okay. the only word we learned was draft. <laughs> so. And we did eat other foods, and it was delicious. But they sustained us some good beer and some good sandwiches. We did okay, have well, trouble, Julie, that's... figuring out like when you ordered a sandwich, it could take twenty five minutes. But if you ordered a steak, it took five minutes. But yeah, you know. <laughs> but so okay, they were all delicious. And I will admit, like. People would talk to us in Portuguese and we would respond in Spanish because it just, it just doesn't make any sense. But you feel yourself saying, gracias, it is not the same language. And you just, that's just, just was, very culturally astute. That's good. It international. Idiotic. Just it international idiotic. language. Yeah. All right. A gold medal to the Olympic lane. You know, there were some infra- infrastructure things they didn't quite get to in Rio, like, you know, the water processing plants and stuff. Uh, but the Olympic lanes worked. They had these new lanes just for Olympic vehicles. We were in a vehicle that had an Olympic sticker. You know, the taxis were not. And boom, boom, boom. We got places relatively quickly. So in general, um, except to the Maracanã, the day we went <laughs> to the soccer stadium at one point we literally had to get out of the van in the middle of a freeway <laughs> and run for our lives down an exit ramp or else that is flexibility that's flexibility and positivity yeah yeah well we could see okay. the stadium right there in front of us julie but it was so just clear fun. that the cars were not going to get there if you were on foot <laughs> you had a chance of getting there so we bailed oh, and we man. made it Okay. I gold medal to gel manicures. I had never gotten one before and I got like a gold a gold tipped French manicure before I left. It still looks good, ladies. <laughs> I never paid the extra money. Totally worth it. Um all right, gold I was to give a gold medal, Liz, you mentioned it before, but to the family and friends of Olympians. They really showed up and I think so many Americans were scared off that it was really nice to see all of them in the stands. You did get the feeling that so many people watching knew the athletes like from every country it seemed particularly from america but you know we were sitting in front of jamaicans that were clearly related like irish that were clearly related it was really nice to see so many family and friends of olympians uh in the stands and then a gold medal to bonnie hart who uh satellite sister bonnie hart who spotted colin and i on the nbc coverage I, I I was shocked, Liam, because I, I watched that. I was watching TV at that moment. I am very, I was consciously looking at that father because I worked at Stanford and both, you know, her, her parents went to Stanford and I was just having a thought about Stanford, but I didn't see my own sister. So hats off to Bonnie, <laughs> you know, well, it really wasn't you. It was just your forehead. Yes. That, that Bonnie yeah. identified your forehead. Yes. And I have to say, not a gold medal for my hair. The Brazilian <laughs> weather was not kind to my hair. I did not have a good hair week. I was disappointed in that. I kept that hat on a lot. But um, There's so, always Tokyo, Liam. Always Tokyo. You can Tokyo. work out. All right. Well, we, we actually got a question from Betsy. We've inspired some people because, I, I, again, it's a fun organizing principle for a vacation. If you enjoy the Olympics, if you like sports, you will enjoy them even more in person. There's just no other way to say it. It's completely unique sporting event. Having been to World Cups, 
and, you know, their NBA finals and uh, other things like that. There's nothing quite like the Olympics because you can like go watch golf one day and boxing the next day and table tennis and you can just be part of it and everyone's having a great time. So Betsy wanted to know if we had any tips. First of all, every Olympic game we went to, Betsy, we planned like like a week before we went. So <laughs> That's true. We did not do a lot of future planning. We put this together in May. Uh, Liz, you were mentioning you went to Salt Lake, like literally the week before you decided to do that. Yeah, I remember sitting at home and thinking, wow, it's like right here in the Western United States. Why am I not going to this? And I went on eBay, got a like condo. Some guy thought he was going to rent for a zillion dollars and hadn't. And then we rallied and we went to the Salt Lake City Olympics with no actual tickets. We went to the Lake Placid Olympics with no actual tickets, you know. So I think in the environment in the United States, you can do that. I wouldn't necessarily head off to Tokyo with no tickets, but, you know. uh, You don't have to plan four years in advance. I mean, the teams only find out they're going a month in advance. So that's why Deanna's family was so shell-shocked. <laughs> they said it took him four days to find a place to stay. But here's what I would do if you were going to Tokyo, Betsy, start saving your money now. Stop eating or traveling <laughs> for the next four years. It's expensive. One, it's a very expensive trip. The t- One thing about Rio that was not expensive, food, drink, that stuff, even at the stadiums when you could get food, it was very reasonable. But I don't think Tokyo will be the same. So I would just watch the sites, pick out the events you want to go to, and start working on housing now. Like, I would imagine housing will be very, very complicated and expensive in Tokyo. Maybe, Liz, you had a good suggestion. Yeah, Betsy, here would be my suggestion. Um, Los Angeles is the bid city for 2024. While we were at USA House, uh, they did show us their entire multimedia presentation about the 2024 bid they are making to the IOC, and it looks awesome. Uh, We're going to know a year from now if Los Angeles is getting the 2024 Olympics. And if they are, I would put that on your calendar. I would skip skip right over Tokyo. And I think the the Los Angeles Olympics, if the U.S. actually wins that bid, you know, is shaping up to just be a beautiful, awesome event. And we know from experience that it will be, um, you know, well-organized. So just just a tip. Like, you don't need to commit to anything right now. So wait till you see next year who wins the 2024 bid and then make your decision. Excellent, excellent advice, Liz. So that's well, only a few lingering questions. Julia, yeah. do you have any questions? Do you have any questions? Or Liz no, has- if I knew how to say uh, thank you in Portuguese, I would just say it because all of your social media while you were there, it just really added to the pleasure of watching it of the last two weeks. So thank you so much, or however you would say that in Portuguese. You say obrigado. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. So that's- women say obrigada and men say obrigado. Okay, good. And then the other word you need to know is shop. That's the word for beer. (laughs) (laughs) Draft beer. That's what you want. (laughs) I I did have a couple of lingering questions, some of which we've answered during the show. But the two that I'm left with, the, the, you know, the overarching question of where were the ticket boots? We may never know where they really were. Uh, Where were And then my last lingering question was, the Brazilian fans around us in Maracanã, 
were yelling things at the refs that it was producing horrified looks on the faces of the children (laughs) in the stands, Julie. (laughs) We still don't know what those Brazilian fans were yelling. And maybe I don't ever need to hear what they were actually saying. But it was funny, Leon, wasn't it? They were just, they were, oh. the you know, they were very exercised about their team. And they were yelled, there was a female ref on the field, so a lot of it was directed towards her. But then there was also another whole raft of stuff. There were some FIFA officials that walked right yeah. by us in their effete little FIFA blazers. And, oh, my God, the Brazilian fans went crazy yelling horrible, horrible things. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, was that was the only misbehavior we ever saw. And yeah. in the context of a Brazilian football game, I think that was okay. But yeah. we still don't know what they were saying, and I <laughs> maybe someone can solve that mystery someday for us. <laughs> the other lingering question I have is, why would our hotel not keep the restaurant open at midnight? Like, our hotel, this is it. This is your two weeks to make money. They had a restaurant they had a bar. Our, every other person in our hotel was a member of the media, mainly German media. So, you know, they were coming back from the track at 1 a.m. too. And people would come back like starving and just want to decompress. And you'd walk into the restaurant. And they're like, oh, we just closed. <laughs> every, every night. Or like the one night that the Brazilians were playing beach volleyball at midnight, they started those. We're like, could you at least turn on the TV? Oh, Brazil? No, no. <laughs> that was so true. Julie, we really thought we had them when they were like, oh, Brazil is playing. Oh, yeah, no, no, we cannot open the bar. <laughs> we didn't even want to buy anything to drink. We just wanted the good TV in the bar. <laughs> yeah. like, two weeks. You got two weeks. No one in this country goes to bed ever, apparently. If you schedule volleyball games at midnight, what is that? So it was just a mystery. Just a mystery. It's one of the things that makes Brazil so lovable, though. It's a very lovable country. It is. It is. It is. Very beautiful and very lovable. And I I think Rio pulled it off. As I kept saying, nothing's blown up and nothing collapsed. So I think we're still good. So are you going to watch the closing ceremonies? You'll be watching that tonight? Oh, you bet. Sure. Yeah. 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 No, sure. I know. And it's, it's, it's funny. We got home Wednesday, Thursday and we were, it's a long travel day and you're pretty, you're pretty messed up time-wise. We just walked right in and turned on the TV and sat on the couch and just, (laughs) it just, even watching is better now having been there. Like today watching the men's marathon, an incredible performance by uh, American Galen Rupp, but we, we were there on the course to watch the women's marathon. And so didn't you feel, is it, you feel closer to the runners? Yes. I was like, Oh, I know exactly where that corner is. Yes. Oh yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. 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 It was so Yes, having spent so much time in that Olympic Stadium, uh, we're happy to, looking forward to that. I'm sure it will be a big party, and I'm I'm happy that Simone Biles gets to carry the American flag. She seems like an excellent choice. So yes, even we though- did, because of when we traveled and that we went to the swimming, that's the uh, gymnastics is happening at the same time. So we really didn't ever know anything about what was happening in gymnastics, except yeah. she was getting quite a bit of coverage on the Brazilian media. And um, as Leanne put in her random thoughts at SatelliteSisters.com, one of our guides mentioned to us that Brazilians love Simone Biles. So (laughs) that's good. That's all you need to know. 
Right. Well, it was a fantastic trip, Liz. I'm glad we did it. It's uh-huh. easy to talk yourself out of that stuff, especially when the drumbeat of press was so bad. I yeah. mean, it was just get it was starting to bum me out. But then we watched those Olympic trials and saw all those track athletes. I'm like, there's like to go. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. So let's do it. And then, you know, we're ready. Okay. Got my flag. Well done. Well done, sisters. I don't Thank know what I'm going to do with all my leftover deed, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Send it to Miami, Liz. Send it to Miami. You know anyone in Miami? Because they're going to need it. <laughs> they are going to need it. Uh, all right. What do we do now? Are we... <laughs> Now what's happening? I don't know. Are we doing a Tuesday show this week, Joel? You and I can have. Yes, we're on. We're on tap for Tuesday. Okay. There's uh, we have, we have to continue on. It's going to be a rough Monday with no Olympics. So we have to pick up the torch. We have to just carry on. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I saw Ashton Eaton uh, and his wife, Brianne, what's her name? Tyson Eaton uh, interviewed on NBC yesterday. And we saw her compete and win her medal in the uh, heptathlon. And, uh, they were uh, they were explaining that now that the Olympics are over, they don't really know what they're going to do with the rest of their lives. They you know they haven't decided if they're going to Tokyo or not. So I thought that's exactly how I feel, Ashton. I just I'm in exactly now that the Olympics are over, I have to I have no idea what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. So you're just um, going to have put your javelin away and just. <laughs> Carry on. Okay, well, we'll take it up. We'll take it on Tuesday. We'll take it up on Tuesday. One other thing I want to say about the Brazilian fans in the stands. Leon and I had even looked up before we went to that event how to say go Brazil in Portuguese, right? We had the Google Translator out. And it's according to Google, you're supposed to say Força Brasil. I'm just here to tell you, not one single person in that stadium was saying that. No. They so were we just being... started yelling beer. We just started yelling beer. Shope, shope. We didn't know. Anyway, yes, it's it's the day after the Olympics end is always a rough Monday, Julia. You're right. So we'll talk on Tuesday. Sounds All good. Right, everybody. Have a great week. Uh, thanks for everybody for following along with us and being so enthusiastic about our trip to Rio. It made it fun to report back knowing that you were enjoying the coverage. Julie, glad you glad you glad you schooled that guy on Babs. That's good. <laughs> You've done, done the Lord's work. I've done work. my work, Liam. <laughs> all right. We're the Satellite Sisters. If you want to read all my random thoughts from Rio, uh, you can go to SatelliteSisters.com. They're posted on the blog there. A lot of you have joined our Facebook group since Rio started. Thanks so much. We're happy to have you there. We're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. Just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. Don't tell me not to fly. I simply got to. If someone takes a spill, it's me and not you. Who told you you're allowed to rain on my parade? I'll march my band out. I'll beat my drum. And if I'm found Turn at bat, sir. At least I didn't fake it, hat, sir. I guess I didn't make it, but whether I'm the rose of sheer perfection, a freckle on the nose of life's complexion, the cinder of a shiny apple of its eye. I gotta fly once, I gotta try once, only can die once, right, sir. Ooh, life is juicy, juicy, and you see, I. Get ready.
ready for me, love, cause I'm a comer. I simply gotta march, my heart's a drummer. Don't bring around a cloud of rain on my parade. I'm gonna live and live now. Get what I want, I know how. One roll for the whole shebang. Mr. Nobody 